you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Michael Fabiano alongside the Fantasy Viper, Graham Barfield. And today is going to be just bananas. Yeah. Because we're taping this podcast while the interviews are going on with coaches and general managers at the Combine. And so news is just going to be just pouring in. Uh, So we will do our best to try and get all of it uh, to you with the Fantasy Analysis, of course, uh, we've also got our pal Edward Murphy behind the glass is going to be keeping tabs on things as well. What's up, Murph? Uh, going to be back. Took a couple days uh, vacation down in Florida. So how was it? Nice. It was good. You would yeah. you would love this. Well, I'm not sure love because you're in the Yankees hat, but uh, I was <laughs> eating dinner next to Pedro Martinez. One I saw your yeah. You should you should have asked him to call you daddy. 
He, um, my dad brought up, uh, he's like, he's like, hey, you know, big fan of yours. Like, you know, you're one of the best all time. He's like, we're, I'm a diehard Yankees fan. He's like, I, he's like, the Yankees are my favorite team growing up. I asked to be traded to the Yankees three separate times and it was Is blocked. That right? That's what he told us. Wow. He was, he was really open, uh, loved getting in depth on the Houston Astros stuff. Uh, talked about the buzzer, talked about the, um, wow. why, why cameras are, are so helpful and talked about the, the rotation of the ball and how you can slow it down. And these hitters, no, like it was just insane. He was like the coolest guy. So that that's was, cool, that, man. That was a treat. Yeah. So it's always cool. Like, cause I mean, growing up, like there's teams and players that you just don't like. Yeah. I mean, for me, Pedro Martinez was certainly one of them. It's interesting that he wanted to be a Yankee. I did not. Yeah. I, did not know I mean, let's be honest, though. Who doesn't want to be a Yankee? I, I kind of agree with that. I'm not sure That's how fair. much he was put on a show, but he said <laughs> I mean, he, said he asked for a trade three separate times and That's it was fair. blocked. But you know what? You know, as, even though he's a Red Sox and he played on a few other teams, I uh, you can't deny his greatness. He's ha- he had yeah. some of the best pitching seasons of all time. Oh, yeah. So. A- yeah. Eddie, did he uh, did he say the Astros punishment was not uh, not enough? Did he did he go in depth on there? He didn't say like whether he wanted he 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 was very. As a pitcher, he he was like you could tell he was bothered by it because of because of the cameras and the different angles they had. And his whole thing was these batters know how many rotations are are coming if it's a fastball versus a breaking ball. And he was saying how the the angles how they could slow it down really helps them. So you could tell from his point of view he was very against obviously what they did. And uh, I I wouldn't be shocked if he thought it should be a longer right. punishment. But he said that he didn't think they used buzzers because he's like you know when a fastball's coming and he's at even 92 miles per hour he's like you're gonna that ball if you one blink that ball's by there's no way that someone could buzz you and you could feel it before that ball comes he goes let alone 98 miles per hour yeah um just hearing a guy like an all-time great a legend talking about that kind of stuff was uh was, was pretty unreal hmm. yep and uh baseball season is here Garrett it is Cole, back yeah pretty good yeah uh the Yankee. all right guys we got a lot of news to get to let's do it So the first thing I want to talk about is the CBA because we haven't really had a chance to talk about it. That news sort of broke after our last podcast. So um, we're still waiting to hear what happens. There was uh, a player's uh, a player's vote that was supposed to have happened last week, and that now is delayed uh, until this week. I believe that the NFL and the NFLPA are meeting in Indianapolis maybe today. They're going to get it done. And yeah. if this happens, uh, we'd have more fantasy football, Graham. We do. We do. Hopefully another bye week in there, too, so these guys aren't uh, absolutely killing themselves out there on the field. But, yeah, more games, more football. So it's going to be odd for me to say that, yeah, week 17, fantasy. Yeah, you're not crazy anymore for playing at that point, right? Because it looks like what's going to happen is that maybe they're going to go, what, 19 weeks? Which means that you'd be playing fantasy football until week 18. Right. So if they add one more game in theory, they'd have to add an extra bye week. Right. And then they would kick out a preseason game. Yes. Um, And then we're going to get more playoff football too uh the playoffs i don't know if i love that but whatever i mean i'm with you on that yeah they're gonna do it what football more regular season football will be interesting yes Uh, i think it's going to change obviously it'll change the way we play fantasy the way we approach it but really it Mm-hmm. In the same vein, it doesn't. I mean, it just makes the season a little bit longer. Right, exactly. So um, more fantasy football is is never a bad thing. Let's put it that oh. way. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully they come to an agreement sooner rather than later, especially as people who work for the NFL. We don't yeah. want to deal with any sort of uh, work stoppage. I will say, um, you know, as fans as well. Do you think, so with this new season proposal, I guess the season would start in late August. And right. And end maybe the week after Christmas. So we would be going until uh, until New Year's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, 
And then, of course, then there's the talk of like the President's Day weekend Super Bowl, right. which would be I mean, that would be perfect. Right. Right. I mean, that, that would be amazing. Yeah, because everybody gets that Monday off. Exactly. Part. I mean, the Super Bowl's a, I mean, heck, it's a holiday right now. At there, this was, point. there was some uh, some kid. I can't I can't remember. I saw a tweet, but some kid was uh, trying to to basically <laughs> make make the Monday after the Super Bowl a, a national holiday. And hey, he actually might get his wish. Gonna get it now, uh, man. Yeah. If they it, push it back to President's Day. So that's exciting news, and um, uh, we'll we'll find out hopefully again sooner rather than later um, about what the decision is by the players. I think the players who aren't making like the big dollars probably like it. The guys, you know, like JJ Watts already said he doesn't like it, uh, basically because I believe in that last game, basically the players will be making two hundred fifty thousand dollars regardless of what they make per game prior to that week. And I could see why, you know, some of the big guys who are making I the, will, I the, will the large cash are like, wait a minute. Fabs, we are going to see a flurry of agents trying to, to basically renegotiate deals. No kidding. And, uh, yeah, not everybody's going to be uh, on that on that plan. Right. Uh, but regardless, it looks like we're getting more football and more fantasy football. Moving on, uh, our pal Ian Rappaport is reporting that the Panthers are moving forward with Cam Newton as their team's starting quarterback. So uh, Cam, who... If you looked at his numbers over the last couple of seasons, uh, not great. He hasn't been the Cam Newton, the Superman that we all have come to know and love. Uh, now he apparently is going to remain in Carolina. So what does that mean from a fantasy perspective? Now, if Cam, Cam is no longer going to be drafted as a QB1 in fantasy unless you're in a 12-team league. And I think he's probably going to end up being a late-round pick now, right? If Cam is back with the Panthers, as he is, uh, reports, how does that make you feel? Because I feel like we both agree on Cam Newton that he's going to be a late round pick as a borderline QB one, QB two. How does that make you feel about Christian McCaffrey? Because if Cam Newton is in fact a hundred percent, there's a possibility that Cam Newton takes away some of those goal line opportunities that McCaffrey got in an abundance sure. last season. Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, I, you know, Cam is coming off now his second major injury in back-to-back years, had the shoulder injury in 2018, obviously didn't play all of last year. And apparently there was a report this morning too that Cam is still like maybe two to three months away from being full strength. So I, I you know, the Panthers can say that they're backing their guy. It's, it's finally good to hear them, you know, say something about Cam because pretty much for the last two months, Fabs, we've been waiting for them to say anything about, about Cam and where they're at with him. Uh, so it was nice to see them say they're moving forward with him, but I still think they're very interested in this draft class and, um, as they should be. I mean, the Panthers are kind of in this evaluation mode. That said, if Cam is back under center with the Panthers, I will have a ton of him in the late rounds this, mm-hmm. this coming season, just because all their weapons are so good. Um, sure, he'll take a couple goal line carries away from from Christian McCaffrey. But at the same time, I mean, this will be Cam in his age, what, 31 season? He's going to be a different player now, especially after going through two major injuries. I think he'll probably, he won't change the way he plays. I mean, he's always going to be Cam. He's always going to try to, you know, run the ball a bit. But at the same time, I do think the next time we see Cam Newton on a football field, he might change uh, just just a little bit in terms of how he's taking hits and, and where he's being used on the field as a runner. going to be interesting to see, too, what the Panthers do in the draft because they have been tied to you know Jordan Love, Justin Herbert. Uh, so we, we shall see. that That's going to be very interesting. But I think we agree on Cam. Uh, Christian McCaffrey still going to end up being the first round pick, the first pick in, in every draft uh, across the board. It's going to be him and Saquon Barkley. Moving on, uh, there's a report out there from Nate Ulrich uh, on Twitter that the Browns 
will tender Kareem Hunt as a restricted free agent. Um, GM Andrew Barry declined to reveal what level of tender that will be at. I don't like this. I don't want Kareem Hunt on the Browns. I don't. Selfishly. You just want Nick Chubb. I, that's, I don't want. That's all I want. Can I, have, can I have Nick Chubb as a featured back, please? The guy is awesome, okay? And I get it, you know, the Browns don't care about our fantasy football teams, but, I mean, geez Louise, let, let him sign with the Bucks or someplace where he could be a featured back. Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt would be a first-round pick yeah. in fantasy. Nick Chubb would be a first-round pick in fantasy if these guys are separated. You put them together, like, Nick Chubb was still good, but, I mean, he had two touchdowns when Hunt came back last season. He had six before he was there. I don't, I don't like it. The Browns are smart to do this because Kareem Hunt is a ridiculously talented player who's been a knucklehead off the field. We all know that. But if he stays in that backfield in Cleveland, Nick Chubb, to me, might end up dropping out of the first round in a 10-team league and be more of a second-round pick. You, you, the guys, Nick Chubb is amazing. I love the guy. But Kareem Hunt is damn good. And if you think that's not going to be a committee situation there where Chubb is sort of, you know, one and, and Hunt is 1A, you're crazy. Yeah, I think that's fair. To, to end the year, both uh, once Hunt became active for the Browns in their final eight games, uh, it was basically Chubb and Hunt were back-end RB1s. I think they both finished as like the RB11 and RB12 in that span. Um, so they can both produce and get it done. But you're right, it definitely hurt Nick Chubb's ceiling for sure. And if Kareem Hunt, it does look like Kareem Hunt's going to be back certainly going to hurt Chubb's ceiling once again, especially as a pass catcher, because Chubb was getting used not a ton as a pass catcher in the first eight weeks of the season, but enough, you know, three, four targets a game. And then Hunt came in and basically took all of the passing down work. I think a lot will be determined on, on what level that tender is, because, you know, that could scare some teams away. Because do you want to give up a second or third round pick for a guy who's got all the talent in the world, but comes with a ton of baggage? Probably not. So uh, we, we may not get our hope that uh, Kareem Hunt is out of Cleveland. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Joe Burrow, the uh, likely number one overall pick of the Cincinnati Bengals, says that, quote, I'll play for whoever drafts me, end quote. Good so time. forget about Eli Manning and John Elway comparisons. It's not going to happen. Burrow's going to go to Cincinnati. Um, that's good for Bengals fans. From a fantasy perspective, I mean, I said this on TV yesterday. I don't know that A.J. Green will be back, and there's a report out there that he wants to be out of Cincinnati. We'll see if that comes to fruition. But, I mean, you've got Tyler Boyd there. Auden Tate started to show some stuff last season. You've got a guy in Joe Mixon who hasn't even hit his prime, and he's already uh, a a very talented featured back. They're going to get some help in the offensive line back. So, I mean... Maybe it's not the best landing spot from a fantasy perspective, but in this case, you have to uh, look at reality, and the reality is that Joe Burrow's not getting past the Bengals. Yeah, Bengals need to go all in on offensive line. Yes. Uh, once they draft Joe Burrow, try to find any other way to get uh, get Burrow a little protection because the Bengals' offensive line last season was one of the three or four worst units in the NFL. Um, but that being said, I mean, Burrow can create outside of structure and, and you know do a bunch of things that, that Andy Dalton cannot do with his legs. Um, so I think that will help the offense a little bit more, just Joe Burrow's you know, move, uh, maneuverability. Uh, but I'd love to get A.J. Green one good year with a great quarterback. And I think Joe Burrow has the potential to be a great quarterback. And it would be great to see Green with the Bengals, but I'm with you. It do- definitely sounds like uh, both of those sides have, have sort of parted ways, and maybe for good reason. I mean, I think A.J. Green kind of stuck it out for a really long time there, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. And also keep I'm in mind, hopeful. you're going to get Jonah Williams back, yep. right? So so that's going to help. And then whatever they can add through free agency or the draft is going to help improve that offensive line. And I really think the Bengals need to focus on that because they are going to want to protect this kid. Because if you get him time in the pocket, let him do his thing, 
you know, the Bengals, uh, the future could look very bright for a franchise that hasn't really had a whole lot of success um, in the National Football League, is at least since the, the 80s, the days of Ken Anderson, and then a little bit during uh, Boomer Esiason there, and then uh, Carson Plummer, uh, who... Bengals fans probably want to forget about it at this point. Uh, moving on, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, who's coming back from the elbow injury, estimates that he's still two to three months from full clearance. But it looks like he is going to be back uh, in time for training camp, which means Big Ben back under center for the Steelers in 2020. Uh, how does that going to affect this offense? Yeah, not surprised. I think we all kind of expect a Big Ben to come back, uh, especially after basically only playing one and a half games this past year. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster uh, Smith fabs. Yeah. How... How much are we buying the bounce back? With big- I, I mean, dude, he can't be any worse than he was last season. That's oh, for sure. No doubt. Uh, there, there's, there's no doubt about that. And I end up, I really end up thinking that he's going to be, he'll be a top forty pick still. Yeah, he'll be a top forty pick because we know the talent. We know what he did uh, before Roethlisberger went down. Although people argue, well, he had Antonio Brown. Okay, that's that, that's fair. But he's still a talented guy in an offense that's going to throw the football with Roethlisberger under center. So. I still say he's not a he's not a wide receiver one. Right. He's going to be drafted as a wide receiver two. Going to be interesting to see what else they do there on the offensive side. You know, the the return of Big Ben means James Washington, Deontay Johnson are going to end up being listed as sleepers across the board in the fantasy industry. And then, of course, that running back situation. I don't know what's going to happen there. I'm guessing James Conner will continue to be the guy. Sure. But he has shown that he cannot stay healthy, which means we could end up seeing more of a committee. But Big Ben, I have Big Ben ranked ahead of Aaron Rodgers right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like. It, it, it sounds crazy because you know he didn't play last season. I don't but think that's crazy at all. Big yeah. Ben's he's going to chuck it, man. Yeah, uh, I don't think that's crazy at all. I mean, the Steelers are going to throw it, and if Big Ben's healthy, he's been you know top ten quarterback. Aaron Rodgers has kind of been just on the back end of the top ten. Yep. I can see it. Yep. Uh, Colts uh, owner Jim Irsay, who follows me on Twitter, probably the only uh, NFL owner who follows me on Twitter, uh, says all options are on the table uh, at the quarterback position for the Colts. And to me. And I've said this, you know, Philip Rivers is such a good fit there. He really is like, you know, and the Colts have also been sort of connected to some of these rookie quarterbacks. You bring Rivers in there for a year, maybe two. He could he becomes the bridge to to a guy who uh, could potentially be the face of your franchise. But Rivers in Indianapolis just makes too much sense not to happen. And and I agree with you. The only other place that I feel like could push for him uh, maybe harder than the Colts is Tampa Bay. But we'll see what happens, man. They're Ursay clearly um, showing us here that uh, Jacoby Brissett is not the answer. Sure. Uh, you know, I think Brissett played really well to start the year. And then they kind of tapered off a little yeah, bit on offense. Big I, time. Think, I think once some teams figured out their passing offense and kind of figured out really uh, that they didn't have a lot of great receivers. They, they dealt with a bunch of injuries this past year. T.Y. Hilton was obviously banged up for the majority of the year. They lost Paris Campbell really early. They lost Devin Funches really early. So I think Brissett kind of got a little bit unlucky. They also lost Eric Ebron, um, and I know Ebron's a free agent now, but yeah. you know, their offense kind of crumbled last year, and I would like to see Brissett get one more shot, but uh, Phillip Rivers is, yeah, he's a perfect fit back there, and, you know, veteran quarterback who can command the huddle, command at the line of scrimmage behind that offensive line. Yeah. I need to see it, um, and not for nothing, too. It just came out that Anthony Costanzo, their Colts left tackle, will continue to play. He was uh, thinking about retiring, and now he's back, and that is huge. Yeah, Pro Football line. Focus uh, ranked that offensive line 11th in terms of pass protection. The Chargers, 31st. Wow, 11th is really... I, I would have... Was that on their grades? or just Yeah, the, the offensive line grades, pass okay. protection. Yep. So, I mean, still pretty good. Still pretty good, and much be- an, an improvement over what he had in Los Angeles, that's for sure. So, uh, Phillip Rivers could be a Colt. We'll see what happens. Uh, moving on 
Thomas Dimitrov, uh, Atlanta's GM, saying that the Falcons are going to let Austin Hooper test free agency. I, I mean, I don't know if I like this or not, because it, people forget before Hooper went down last year with the injury, he was the number one tight end in fantasy football. OK, it wasn't Travis Kelsey. It wasn't George Kittle. It wasn't Zach Ertz. It was Austin freaking Hooper. And if you if you believe that the Chargers are going to tag Hunter Henry, which I believe they will, Hooper is going to be far and away the best free agent tight end on the market. And there are teams out there that could use him. Washington Redskins, maybe. Let's go. Let, let's have the best of both worlds here. Austin Hooper becomes a Patriot. Catches, uh, I mean, that's that's possible too. 80 balls. And Calvin Ridley also ha- breaks out because Austin Hooper is not taking, you know, six, seven targets. Exactly. And and that's a great point, because when Hooper went down, Ridley oh, was yeah. a monster he, he, in our in our show championship. I lost uh, to Colleen Wolf and, and not having Ridley kill yeah, me. I am going to so good. so much Calvin Ridley this coming year. Boy, these Alabama wide receivers, huh? So sick. I mean, yeah. So sick. It, We're going to talk about a bunch of them here in a minute. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Austin Hooper, uh, I don't know if he's unlikely to return to Atlanta, but Atlanta, uh, they are clearly not going to dish out the dough yeah, they, to, to keep him around. He wants to get paid, man. I was looking at well, the numbers. why num- not? Yeah, I was looking at the numbers of what he's asking for. He's asking for a huge deal. And yeah. not to say he doesn't deserve it, it's just I, I, uh, I think Atlanta's doing the wise thing to try to see if, uh, see see what the market's like for him. You know, Hooper's only this is kind of crazy. Hooper's only twenty five years old. Young guy. It feels like he's been around for like six or seven years. I think it's because fantasy owners have been waiting for him. Maybe to that's be what, it is. what he was this past season for a while. Uh, we already talked about AJ Green and the report that he wants out of Cincinnati. We'll see what happens there. I mean, there there's. I would guess it's a 50-50 shot right now, right? I mean, the Bengals want him back. Whether or not he wants to remain there and not win or go someplace else like New England and win games, we'll see what happens. But A.J. Green is uh, 31, 32 years old at this point. So uh, I'd like to see him go someplace else. New England would be the place that I would love him to to, to end up in with Tom Brady, who uh, apparently wants uh, New England to commit a couple of years to him. Uh, in a potential contract. We'll see what happens there. I still can't see Tom Brady going anywhere else. Uh, a couple of just real quick injury notes. Jarvis Landry uh, is going to be out a while after hip surgery on February 4th, but he should be uh, good to go once we get to training camp. And then Hollywood Brown had foot surgery to remove a screw that was giving him problems all season long uh, per Ian Rappaport. He'll be fine for training camp. So uh, Hollywood Brown maybe in his second NFL season sort of builds off of what he did as a rookie had some great moments, was very inconsistent, but uh, he should be fine once we get into July and training camps, which, I mean, <laughs> look at this point. It's almost March. Yeah, it's going to fly by. It's almost March. So, uh, yeah, things are going to fly by. So we're not going to be missing football. Those of us, I, have you watched any XFL at all? I have, yeah. I, I watched like I watched a little bit. It's all right. My my fantasy team is garbage, Kristen Michael. The what did I draft that <laughs> idiot? What a Oh, you didn't get you didn't get bit by a I'm Christian a, Michael the Christian Michael steam enough when he was in NFL. Player. I mean, like you know, he had that little run um, yeah. in the NFL, and people were all over, and I'm like, eh, you know, he's, whatever. And then I said, well, I mean, it's the XFL. The talent's not right. as good, and he still sucks. All right, and that's the news. That was the news. All right, so last week, Graham and I started breaking down some of the guys that you need to know for the Combine, which is uh, going on in Indianapolis right now. A lot of interviews and uh, a lot of fun stuff you're going to see on social media from coaches and uh, from GMs. But 
they're there because they want to evaluate talent, which is uh, going to be a lot of fun for us to watch and see what some of these kids can do. So last week we started off with, you know, a lot of the big name guys. You know, we talked about Burrow. We talked about Tua. We talked about uh, Swift and and. and there, there's there's just a ton of talent uh, at the wide receiver position. So we started off a little bit there with Judy uh, and, and with CeeDee Lamb. So we're going to break down a few more guys uh, at a couple of the positions here that you're going to want to keep tabs on. And the first one I have is Justin Herbert. And every time I see a last name Herbert, it makes me think of Bear <laughs> in Seinfeld. Uh, but Justin Herbert last year, 14 games, uh, completed about 67% of his passes, 32 touchdowns, six picks. And um, this guy's huge. Yeah. He's 6'6". He's 237. He's got really good arm strength. Uh, he's actually a, a mobile quarterback, too, for 6'6", yeah. six, six, right? I mean, uh, he, he, he had four rushing touchdowns last season, and in 43 games at Oregon, he had 13 rushing touchdowns. Uh, he also had the most drops of any quarterback on throws of 20-plus yards in college football, pro football focus. So the guy has got a lot of potential uh, both in reality and as a fantasy player. He does. Um, I saw him at the podium uh, this morning. He's got great hair, too. I know. Super tall, great hair. I'm tired hair. of all you guys around me with great hair. Man. This guy's got great hair. Handsome. Eddie, you wear a hat all the time, but I know you got great hair under there. He's a handsome dude. I did not know Justin Herbert was that handsome. But anyway, yeah. Um, I haven't watched a bunch of Justin Herbert, but I did see quite a bit of Oregon's games. I haven't, like, studied them in depth, but I did watch a lot of Oregon in college football. And, I, you know... Herbert's got some things he's got to, you know, he's got to plan out. I, I think he was, f- you know, fairly erratic as a passer. Um, and I think some teams, you know, probably in that top 10, top 15 range, like the Chargers especially, are, are doing their due diligence and really looking into him. Um, look, I, I think there's a clear top two in this class between Burrow and Tua. Uh, and I think the the distance between those two and Herbert is pretty far. But that's not to say... Um, that, that Herbert won't get drafted highly. I think we've seen in the last couple of years guys like Daniel Jones um, who rocket up draft boards in, in the, in, as we go through this process. And I think Herbert will be the clear guy this year where maybe you know we expected him to not, not necessarily be an early first-round pick uh, in January, but I, I think as we get through this process and teams keep evaluating him, I think Herbert's draft stock is just going to continue to rise, and he'll most likely be a top 15 pick. Uh, one of the teams that some people speculate would want a quarterback are the Detroit Lions, but a uh, report just comes out that uh, the Lions insist Matthew Stafford is not getting traded. Is- uh, General Manager Bob Quinn said the Lions anticipate Stafford being full go in the offseason workouts uh, after he missed eight games last year due to a that- back injury, and Stafford was freaking good. That, that, that makes no sense to me. That, he was good. It's not like he's an old man. I mean, he played well last year before he got hurt. I have no idea who started the Lions and, and Stafford rumor because Stafford was amazing to start last year. Like He was great. And he's been great. He Honestly, he's been great and consistent for the last, basically the entirety of his career. He's only had a couple down years. Yeah, a couple of, uh, two seasons ago, he wasn't all that great, but he started off tremendous uh, and he wasn't even drafted in a lot of leagues. So it uh, looks like he'll stick in Detroit and that sort of, what we all expected. Moving on, Jordan Love out of Utah State uh, this past season played in 13 games, 62% completion percentage, 20 touchdowns and 17 picks. Um, The previous year in 2018, he had 32 touchdowns and six interceptions. So he wasn't as good in terms of his accuracy uh, this past season. He's also got good size at 6'4", 225, good arm strength. uh, But with those 17 interceptions, uh, you've got to 
you've got to think that maybe this is a guy who needs to improve on his decision making. Um, he's not really a running quarterback. If you look at him on tape, he can elude defenders. He can scramble around and extend plays, which you like. And Daniel Jeremiah, our pal here at NFL Network and uh, the number one draft analyst here, uh, quote, love is a raw prospect who will need some time to develop. There is risk with him, but the payoff could be huge. Yeah, I like I like uh, Jalen Hurts a little bit more than Jordan Love. I, I think Hurts... Uh, coming up when he transferred out of, out of Alabama, I was mm-hmm. kind of you know obviously interested to see what he would do in Oklahoma in that offense, and uh, he did not disappoint. Uh, really opened it up. I I, I kind of like Hertz as the sleeper quarterback of this class. It'll be really interesting to see how his draft stock is evaluated where he goes because I you know look we just talked about with Herbert, his draft stock has been moving up. Uh, I think Hertz could be another guy because he, you know the NFL is now centered around these dual threat guys yeah. yep. that can move and and Hurts can certainly move certainly more than Jordan Love. There's there's always like that that one quarterback that going into the combine people are talking about and then the, the you know he just keeps moving up and up and up and up and I remember a couple of years ago where like Josh Allen was like in the conversation to be the number one overall pick like I mean uh, you know <laughs> He ended up. He he's ended up been very good for the Buffalo Bills so far, and from a fantasy yeah. perspective, uh, he's he's been very good as well. I mean, so I, I know Joe Burrow obviously had just this phenomenal season, accounted for over sixty touchdowns, et cetera, et cetera. Is definitely the number one overall pick. But Hertz Hertz's season was tremendous too. I mean, he ran for over twelve hundred yards, uh, had twenty rushing touchdowns uh, in his three full seasons as a starter, uh, dating back to t- twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen in Bama. Uh, he ran for over eight hundred yards in every season. Um, I, I like Jalen Hurts a little bit as a sleeper. And, I th- you know, I think this kind of speaks to something else that maybe we could talk about more in the offseason, Fabs, but like mm-hmm. running quarterbacks and the value that they provide is seems yeah. undervalued almost yeah. in the NFL. It's almost like we're, we're transitioning out of this period where the NFL is kind of centering its decision-making mm-hmm. on pocket passers and more towards guys that can move yep. um, and have the ability to move. And there are certainly quite a few of those guys in this class. So I'm doing, I'm doing an article. I'm... Uh, I'm always desperately trying to figure out how to tie fantasy football to the combine a little bit more because honestly, like, and we've said it last week, these guys can go out and just be great in the combine or they can go out and suck. And if they end up in a great spot in the NFL, sometimes it doesn't even matter. Right. Uh, you know, Tom Brady, you know, everyone jokes around about, you know, what he looked like at the combine and how he, he was you know slow and, um, look like a high school kid out there. And then he ends up being the greatest quarterback ever. Like there's been players who have really flourished at the combine and haven't done well. And then, you know, vice versa. There's been guys who haven't been great at the combine who have gone on a flourish in the National Football League. But I talked about this a little bit last week where Gil Brandt has his nine targets for certain categories and certain drills that these kids are going to be doing. And I'm doing an article on this. It'll be out this week. But to your point about the running quarterbacks, um, we have seen since 2010, and that's where the, the research is going gonna, is gonna to begin, since 2010, you know, th- there's not a whole lot of quarterbacks who have finished, you know, in the top 10 in their first years. Uh, but we have seen some guys finish in the top 20. Um, Cam Newton basically nailed every single one of Gill's marks. Robert Griffin III, same thing. Dak Prescott, same thing. Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, same thing. What do all those guys have in common? They're versatile, man. They're mobile. Move. They could run with the football. Yeah. So to Graham's point, that that is that, that is something that I, I feel like NFL teams now uh, with, you know, Lamar Jackson coming out and having the monster season that he's had with Josh Allen sort of emerging as well with these running quarterbacks having success in the league. You're going to see some teams really go after uh, these guys who are going to be able to make plays not only with their arms. 
but with their legs. Speaking of players who can make plays with their leg, let's move on to a couple of running backs here. Uh, and we'll talk Jonathan Taylor, who you really like. Oh, yes. I, I know that you love this kid out of Wisconsin. Uh, 14 games this past season, 2,003 yards, averaged over six yards a carry, had 21 touchdowns, also caught 26 balls out of the backfield, had five touchdowns. He rushed for 2,000-plus yards in back-to-back years. Almost had three straight. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, his career at Wisconsin in 41 games, over 6,100 rushing yards, averaged almost seven yards a carry, 42 rushing touchdowns, 42 catches and five scores. The guy is strong. He's got good speed. He's effective on screens. He's a guy who could be a home run hitter. And uh, I don't want to hear about Ron Dane or Monte Ball. This guy is good. Yeah. I, I think, you know, going into this process, th- this class is really good. I mean, there's five or six. I think there's a clear t- top five or six and then some like two to three really nice sleepers. Um, and as I've gone through it, I think Taylor's kind of separated as the clear number one running back in this class. Obviously, it'll be really interesting to see how these guys run, how these guys test uh, in a few days here at the Combine. But the biggest thing for Taylor coming into this year is, you know, could he prove that he's a decent enough receiver? Only caught 16 balls in, in like 30 games, something like that. Uh, going into this year, and you just mentioned caught 26 balls yep. this past year on top of 320 carries. I mean, Taylor has been carrying the load for Wisconsin for now three straight years. Um, Does that affect I mean, him? You know, I don't really have a good answer for it, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I think you could point to a few guys that maybe wore down really quickly that had huge college workloads. Um, but then you could also point to somebody like Derrick Henry, who had just monster workloads in high school, monster workloads in college. Obviously started his NFL career a little bit slowly in terms of workload, but has really shown no signs of degrading. I, You know... I think there was always that argument, Fabs, where people would say, you know, Alabama players are overworked coming into the NFL, and that's why they haven't really translated. And I think that's also been bucked. I mean, there's so many great Alabama players. So I think you can go both ways with it. Maybe, you know, there's some one-off cases of guys that, you know, are dealing with injuries that, you know, pop up again in the NFL for sure. But look, I I think Jonathan Taylor's the... uh, the clear number one running back in, in a very good class. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin, I mean, Melvin Gordon came out of there. They, they haven't had a lot of success at the running back position. I mean, Michael Bennett, I believe, was a mm-hmm. Wisconsin running back as well. But that stuff is all fun to look at. Like, if <laughs> uh, well, let's go back to Justin Herbert. Every Oregon quarterback that's come out since Dan Fouts has been garbage. Garbage. Name me one that's been good. Chris Miller, Achilles Smith was a bust. A.J. Feely. Joey Harrington was a bust. Kellen Clemens, Dennis Dixon, Mariota. You're not a, you're not waiting for the Marcus Mariota. This Marcus Mariota train to turn around. I, I think I'm I think I think he is what he is. Uh, <laughs> hey, I agree. Moving on, this guy. I'm gonna root for this guy because he's five eight, <laughs> and I'm five eight. I'm short. Uh, you guys know that if you watch me standing next to Akbar, which is not fair, by the way. Uh, Clyde Edwards, I like this guy. I mean. That game that he had against Alabama was sick. Like, that was the game where everyone was like, holy boop, this guy is freaking good. 20 carries, 103 yards, averaged over five yards per carry, had three touchdowns on the ground. Not only that, he caught nine balls for 77 yards and had a touchdown. My guy Darius Geis, who's also an LSU alum, loves him. Loves him. Uh, he's Again, he's 5'8", but he's 209, so he's a little bowling ball, right? I mean, you, you know, talk about like Maurice Jones-Drew. Uh, he is so good in the passing game. So good. He is a great pass catcher. Um, I don't know that he could be a three down back in the NFL yet. And, and I think part of that is because the guy was, he was lined up on, on routes because he's such a, a good pass catcher. So he didn't pass protect a lot right. uh, in college. Um, Daniel Jeremiah, uh, he says that he's very similar to an Austin Eckler. 
That's got to get your ears popped because Austin Eckler is damn good. He's a playmaker. So, I mean, if this kid ends up in the right team, he, he could make an impact. And yeah, Alaire, this Clyde Edwards Alaire, man. He is a true freak. I want a His, dude named Clyde on my team. <laughs> I just, I just great do. Last name too. Uh, great, fantastic. The the biggest thing that I took away watching him is his contact balance is unbelievable. I mean, he gets hit and just it doesn't matter. He's like a weeble wobble. It, just, <laughs> it doesn't matter. He just pops back up. Uh, fantastic contact balance. Uh, you know, I, I'll be interested to see how he tests in the 40. I don't think he's a burner by any stretch. You don't have to be a burner mm-hmm. to be an effective NFL back. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if he runs in like the four, five, four, six range. That'll be a good speed for him. Yep. Uh, Anything faster would be a shock. But, uh, you know, if he's in four, five, four, six range. He'll be great. The only knock I have against him, and I actually think he can be a three-down back because he's such a great pass catcher. Mm-hmm. Those great pass catchers just aren't being able to pass protect because they're such great pass protectors. Right. They, they don't have the opportunity they don't, they to, don't to do to. that. Right. They're always running routes. Right. Uh, my only knock against him is that he basically has just one year of a sample size. Uh, his freshman year basically didn't play. Uh, Yeah, some good players ahead of him. Yeah, obviously some pretty good players ahead of him. Uh, Sophomore season kind of got in a little more work, and then this year he obviously blew up with Mm -hmm. with Joey Burrow under center. Very versatile player, and I'm, I you know, watching him, Fabs, he kind of reminded me of Brian Westbrook. Okay, yeah, I'm taking it back. Westbrook, I think, was about five nine, five ten. He wasn't a big dude out of Villanova. No, yeah, yeah, he was not a big guy. Kind of similar, similar types of player. um, But Westbrook did develop into a three down back. He did, yeah, Uh, similar player in the past game, and and Westbrook was obviously fantastic through contact. Mm -hmm. Uh, Moving on, let's talk about some wide receivers in this class. is ridiculous. Henry Ruggs the third out of Alabama. Alabama, my God, these wide receivers they got. I mean. You know, you got you got two studs coming out this year. You've had Amari Cooper. You've had Julio. You had Calvin Ridley. Some, boy, I tell you, the, I mean, you know, they say that Clemson is wide receiver. You, uh, we're going to talk about T. Higgins a little bit, but uh, Rugs last year, twelve games, forty catches, averaged nearly nineteen yards per catch, had seven touchdowns, uh, eighty-six catches over his last two seasons there with the Crimson Tide. This guy is fast. He's wicked fast. In fact, a lot of people compare him to Tyreek Hill, right? He's six feet. He's 190, but he's like a matchup nightmare. Yeah. So Ruggs, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to to predict that anybody's going to be as good as Tyreek Hill because this guy is, I mean, you want to talk about a nightmare. This guy is ridiculous. But uh, Ruggs, that speed, uh, that explosiveness off the line of scrimmage, dude, he could be a player, man. Yeah, uh, you know, Henry Ruggs' stats isn't, aren't going to blow you away. Right, never, exactly. Never caught more than 50 balls, never had more than 800 yards receiving, and that's likely because... Look at the I talent mean, around him! Exactly. I mean, he had to fight with Jerry Judy for targets, who's, I mean, arguably the number one receiver in this class. Uh, I watched quite a bit of Henry Ruggs already, and he has some of the freakiest tape I've seen coming out of, a, uh, out of college in recent memory. I mean, it, his acceleration is just effortless. I mean, he can mm-hmm. get to zero to 60 in just a split second. Uh, the, the, uh, the Crimson Tide, Alabama, used him out of the slot. They, they moved him all around the field. It's not like Ruggs was just sitting in one spot. They used him as a mismatch nightmare because he's so fast. And, I mean, this is what we've been seeing in the NFL. This is what the NFL has been trending towards is these fast, speedy receivers who can get open against any coverage and, and Henry Ruggs, um, I, I, he's going to be a, a mismatch nightmare. And I think he will, Fabs, I think people will be pretty surprised about how early he goes because the NFL teams are, they are addicted to speed. Oh, uh, dude, he's a first. Ruggs might run a sub four, three. He might run a sub four, three. I mean, how about, how about you give, uh, you give uh, that added weapon uh, to Drew Locke in Denver? 
I mean, with with Corlin Sutton and ooh. there are so many places Ruggs' speed uh, can fit. I, I had a tweet a couple weeks ago that I want to see him in, with the Chiefs just to see Tyreek. Oh, no, they got just enough. See, they got Mecole Harmon. They got enough just to see Tyreek, Mecole, and Ruggs all. They got enough. On but the same line of yeah, so he he's a he, he's a going to be a, a fun player to watch uh, at the next level. Uh, moving on, Justin Jefferson. There, boy, we're talking a lot of. Alabama, LSU. I mean, geez, the it's weeks. loaded, loaded, it's loaded. The SEC is loaded. Uh, 111 catches, over 1,500 yards, averaged nearly 14 yards a catch. Had 18 touchdowns. Uh, he's tall, six three, kind of a slender guy at 192. And um, you're going to remember him from that game against Oklahoma, where he had 14 catches, 227 yards, and four touchdowns. Touchdowns at 19, 35, 42, and 30 yards. He crushed the Sooners. Killed him. Uh, he can play uh, on the outside. He can play the slot. He's a really good route runner. He's athletic. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, quote, Jefferson is a polished receiver and should make an immediate impact at the next level. Another first-round pick. Yeah. I, I watched a ton of LSU this year. I haven't studied Jefferson like I studied Ruggs because I didn't get to watch a lot of Bama football this year randomly. But I did get to see a lot of LSU ball. And, yeah, Justin Jefferson was clearly, clearly Joe Burrow's number one target. Yep. Uh, finished this past year second in the college football and receptions and receiving touchdowns was third and receiving yards. Obviously, you know, it helps the Tigers played 15 games, but man, yep. like when the Tigers were making their run, Justin Jefferson was the clear guy every single, every single week for mm-hmm. them. Um, I look, this receiver class fabs is just oh, it's, absolutely it's awesome. Bananas. Yep. Uh, Justin Jefferson to close out his season against Georgia, Oklahoma, and Clemson. Three gotta-have-it games against three huge opponents, all top five programs. Seven for 115-1 against Georgia. Went nuts against Oklahoma, obviously had the huge game. 14 yep. catches, 227 yards. And then against Clemson, the national title game, just went for a casual nine for 106. Yeah. Uh, just monster season. Great into his season. And uh, I, I think Justin Jefferson will, will most likely, he'll go in that range where, like, you know, back half of the first round. Early, That's where I'm early thinking. Early second round. Uh, we're going to see a lot of receivers off the board in between picks 20 to maybe 60 overall. I think we'll see at least eight receivers in that. I think range. the Patriots could look at him too, you know, oh. in that first round. I mean, if they're not going to be active in free agency and maybe get an AJ green, that could be a kid that they, uh, take a look at another one. Uh, another kid out of Clemson, you know, it's like, you know, you've had nuke, you've had Sammy Watkins, Mike T. Williams, and, next man. Hunter Renfro, and now you've got T. Higgins. Uh, this past season, 15 games, had over 1,100 yards, almost 20 yards per catch, 13 touchdowns. He had 25 touchdown catches in 30 games there at Clemson. He's tall, he's slender, a little bit like Justin Jeffrey at 6'4", 215. Um, he's, he's fast. Uh, he's a guy that is extremely effective on slants, on posts and go routes. He's better on the inside. Uh, I'm sorry, on the outside. And this is a... I don't know if he's going to be a first-round pick. He might. He might very well be a first-round pick. We'll see what happens. But you've got that Clemson wide receiver pedigree going on, and this dude is a playmaker. No doubt. Uh, T. Higgins this past year finished, uh, in in terms of PFF's yards per route run in college football, he's third among all FBF, FBS receivers. Obviously, was you know it, it really helps to have Trevor Lawrence, future number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball. But uh, – T. Higgins is just, he was a total freak. Every single time he was on the field, he was a difference maker for that offense. And uh, again, it's just, Fabs, the top five receivers in this class are just unbelievable. And Higgins rounds out what is an extraordinary class. And again, I wouldn't be be surprised to see Higgins go as high as like 15 or 20 overall. I think, you know, 
teams are going to be in the market for receivers in this loaded class, and they're going to try and get their guys that are uh, that are high on their board. Yep. You know what's going to be interesting to me? Uh, I did NFL Now yesterday, and I said that I'd like to see Jerry Judy end up going to the Cardinals. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald is, I guess we would expect this is his last season, right? You know, they, they have Christian Kirk. They have Andy Isabella. Uh, you know, they have Akeem Butler there as well. So they've got some good young wide receivers. But um, Cliff, Kingby, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, if I could speak English, said Kyler Murray has made no secret that he wants CeeDee Lamb, his former teammate there at OU. Uh, imagine like if the Cardinals get one of those two guys. That offense, I mean, the Cardinals is going to be so fantasy friendly. Right. It's going to be ridiculous. The Cardinals uh, are obviously going to be heavily in the market for receivers and, and yeah i hope if they get one of these top five guys especially if it's lamb or higgins or rugs i mean oh my god everybody's gonna be all in or Every- judy I, a, any of them and, and they they've been tied to some of these guys yeah so i will i would a- not be surprised to see the cardinals take a similar approach that they took last year i think i still think I'm, I'm leaving the light on for andy isabella uh but they took like four receivers last year and i would not be surprised to see the cardinals take like at least two or three i feel like year. as much as we like to talk about isabella uh, I kind of feel like they're going to get some guys that are going to overshoot. I'm leaving the line on for him, Fabs. Yeah. I'm staying a truther. Yep. They got uh, Hakeem Butler, too, who didn't play last year. Yeah, he didn't. Remember, every the, like, I'm not saying I was, but a lot of people in the industry were all over him, and then uh, he ended up falling out of fourth round, didn't really do much of any, right? Fourth round pick, I believe it was? Yeah, he fell to a third day pick. He was the fifth round. Fifth round, okay. Um, Eddie, so I'm just looking on uh, Twitter here, and there's a tweet from you saying that the Giants are already giving you anxiety. What happened? What's wrong? There's a few reports out there that uh, basically just based off the comments from Gettleman and, and the lack of, I guess, comments by Judge that uh, they would, in theory, be open to trading uh, Daniel Jones and taking another quarterback at four. What? Like, yeah, I mean, it's not going to happen, but. Yeah, that's uh, there's no way they're going to do that. No, I don't think so. But it, it ties into the fact that they uh, said that Shermer and Mike Shula, the former head coach and offensive coordinator, were the ones that are really pushing to draft Jones. And this is a new regime now. And um, yeah, I, I don't I don't see the bright side of that, especially with how uh, at moments, how spectacular Daniel Jones did look yesterday, uh, yesterday, last year. And uh, now you have some pieces around him. You have, you have a lot of cap space, uh, high traffic again, uh, better chemistry with your receivers like Darius Slade. I know he's already working out with. So um, yeah, it makes zero sense. But mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is what David Gettleman does. He says a lot of stuff that uh, rubs people the wrong way. So he's <laughs> continuing with that in 2020. I guess so, right? Dave Gettleman is very good at putting his foot in his mouth. You know, you know what I've realized? The end result, generally speaking, with him has been okay. If you look at the trades, the OBJ trade, they kind of made out in that one. Uh, the Zeitler for Olivier Vernon, who's going to get cup of the Browns, made out in that one. The yeah, draft, boy. Ugh. Both drafts have been, you know, very good. A lot of good young pieces. Mm-hmm. It's just the path getting there. It makes no bizarre. sense. Ex- yep. Extending OBJ, you know, uh, keep, uh, keeping Eli and, and, and giving him the uh, the contract bonus and starting him for two games and just a lot of other stuff, trading for Leonard Williams, and now you might lose two picks. Like, he has some stuff where you, it's head, total head-scratcher, but the end result, you know, now they have a lot of cash plays. They have, a, they have a good young core. It's like, okay, he does some things right, but, man, oh, man, it's a roller coaster. Yeah. Do the Redskins, do you think they're – Sort of knocking around the idea of taking Tua at two. 
I, I, you know, after taking Haskins, I know, but the, but the Cardinal, the you know, I mean, the sure. Cardinals would Rosen, and sure. then they're like, eh, you know, we're gonna go with uh, with Kyler. I mean, it, it wouldn't be the first time something like sure. that. Happened. I mean, Chase Young is bananas, like the best defender in this class by a mile. He's so freaking good. But quarterbacks win championships, right? I mean, like that's yeah. whatever. That that's why you're gonna see three three quarterbacks go in the top six likely in this draft. I mean, would would they would they do that? Would they do that? I mean, Haskins started nine games this past year, and all of them were with Bill Callahan yeah. as the head coach. It's who's who's going to run it? Yeah, yeah it's, it's not exactly like Haskins had a lot of great tutelage in his rookie year, and it's also mm-hmm. not like Haskins had great protection because his best offensive lineman, Trent Williams, sat out the entire year. And right. it's also not like, outside of Terry McLaurin, they had a lot of great receiver help. I would like to see... Haskins get a a full year as the starter but again I mean it's a quarterback driven league and yep. they have a whole new coaching staff who might come in with some different ideas and if they don't feel like Haskins is their guy then it would not I would not be surprised to see them take Tua I'll yeah. say that much yeah so surprised. right I mean right now the consensus is that Tua is going to the Dolphins at number five but we'll see what happens it seems like the see. Giants and the the skins if they are looking at the Giants uh, don't trade back though. They don't trade back. This is the one year they, they could. I mean, he's had seven drafts. I mean, you can make the argument, and some of those he's hidden a lot of players in those seven drafts. Um, you know, McCaffrey, Saquon, uh, uh, Jones for the time being. Um, but you know, this is a draft where they could trade back if they don't want the quarterbacks. I get what the Giants and what the Skins would do in theory as you work out these guys and be like, oh, you know, we're you know the Cardinals just did it. We're open to that. Right. You know, create a smoke screen, make a team move up, and give you an extra pick or two. Um, but. I think you'd be the 31 other teams are pretty, you know, aware that these franchises would not take another quarterback because the the promise the other ones have shown. So I don't know how useful that'll be, what the Giants, their game plan is, but just just trade back. So uh, just one last uh, fun topic here is the Buccaneers have been promoting, you know, like crazy on social media over the last couple of days that they're going to be releasing new uniforms. Yes. Finally. Now, now I would argue that the current Buccaneers uniforms are the worst pieces of trash that any team has worn in the National Football League's history. Awful. I like the, the the Buffalo Bills crap jerseys like during the Bledsoe era, those were those were trash also. But these these are awful. Awful. They're bad, but I wouldn't say they're Really no, these I mean, are they're, they're ugly. Yeah. And they got the alarm clock numbers on. They're awful. Yeah. Do the Buccaneers, is there any chance they go back to the creamsicles? I, I hope so. I hope they bring it back as just an alternate, like... I think that's what they're going to do. They, have I, to they do. should. That, that video, the first jersey they sh- they showed the was the old creamsicle. creamsicle. Yes, and then it ended with them stitching what looked to be a red jersey. Um, I think the I think what's going to happen is they're going to go closer to the uh, the Derek Brooke the the when they won the the Super Bowl those kind of red with the pewter more simplified maybe have more orange in them mm-hmm. uh, maybe a logo change kind of reverting back to the older one and I think what Graham said I think they're going to have the creamsicle as yeah. the, uh, the alternate the Thursday night jersey or something like yeah, that yeah bring the creamsicle back as the alternate the Bucks have such a good color scheme too like they should have great uniforms and it's just not I, I don't think they figured it out yet hopefully they figured it out in this iteration. What what was the what was the name of the the buccaneer on the helmet there back in the day? I don't remember. I can't. But uh, dude, I love anything eighties. I like so. I mean, you know, I, I'd rather have the Giants with the Giants on their helmet. Oh, I lo- I love those. Then then what they have now and and the Jets same thing. Like I actually like the 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 Jets. You know, new new color. It, it looks really it good. Be, yeah. But I'd rather see the Jets on there. The Broncos should have never went away. And I get it. After they changed, they won the Super Bowl a couple of times. Whatever. They should stay. They go back to the D. The D with, yeah. That was the best. And the Buccaneers. 
whatever. When the Jets uh, the Jets announced their new, their New York uniforms last year, I yeah. was kind of like, meh, they're all right. And then I saw them on I the field. I like the color. I saw them on the field. This yeah, I like the like, color, yeah, man. They're, they're pretty sweet. I mean, they did one thing right. They're pretty sweet. It's a fun exercise so. to go through each team and think about when their best uniform was and more likely than not. Like, Damashek hasn't done that we already? Did. I mean, did, come on. And by the way, I got a bone to pick with Dave. Why did he not call me to come in for that? We always talk about uniforms on social media everywhere, and I see that you guys did a show on well, uniforms, and I didn't get a call. When, when the teams when the teams fully released them, we'll, we'll have you on to to review. Um, but more likely than not, the team's original jersey or their you know earlier stages of their uniform is usually their best. It's never the new updated version. It's usually the original. I can think of only a handful. The 49ers actually, with the 90s, the Steve Young ones with the black shadow. Oh, I hated those. No, those are the best. Those were awful. Those, the those are sweet. Those were those awful. Are, those are, no, those, they weren't. Those are the ones. The best ones were the ones when Montana and Rice were, were winning Super Bowls back in the day, and now they're wearing those now, but they have like the black sort of over the logo on the helmet. The black shadow and the black uh, stripe. No, I, I didn't like those. I'm, really with, nice. I'm with you on I that. I wasn't into those. those no. are one of the rare improvements. I'm also excited to see the Falcons' new unis, too. They're, they're bringing out some uh, new uniforms here. Atlanta's best uniforms were back in the Steve Bartkowski, the William right Andrews. Yes. The, uh, the, the black ones from back in the day were nice, too. Yeah. But the red ones with the red uniforms, those were awesome, dude. Yeah. What, get get Damashek on the phone. When you guys do that show, I want in. Yeah, done deal. I want in. Yeah. They uh the Falcons should definitely bring back the red helmets. Yes. Those are those are No doubt about. It. And you know what? I said this last year because you know we did the whole, you know, 100 you know anniversary. They should and the NFL should still do this. I don't know who I talked to. I saw Roger Goodell last year at a fantasy football uh event and I should have said something to him. He probably would get out of here, Fabiano. But <laughs> they should they should have every week they should pick weeks where they have um a either a division or maybe it's the whole conference or whatever the case may be they ha- so like what in week six they have like jerseys from the 60s in week seven they have jerseys from the 70s in week eight they have jerseys from the 80s and you can't tell me that that's not going to include that that's not going to increase revenue are you kidding me if you put all those jerseys out on the uh, circulation uh, yeah. up dude I freaking a man that would be awesome it's kind of like how the nba the nba kind of went through this and they still do it. I mean, a lot of NBA teams have different iterations of their jerseys, but that's you know simply because they play way more games. But the, the NBA has a, there's a I mean you can get any iteration of NBA jersey now. The right. Cowboys the Cowboys best jerseys were the jerseys from the late seventies. The 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 royal blue. Yes. They never wear those anymore ever, and it's stupid. Like the navy blues, I hate them. I don't. I don't like them. They're right. The, the they're, worst, they're not as good. The problem with the Cowboys is those weird silver grayish pants. Like you gotta, you get the blue silver. You gotta go light blue. Yeah. The, the light blue. The light blue on the whites. Like what, back in Danny White's time, Tony, those were sweet. Do you? If the, those were sweet. If the Rams are one of the four teams getting new uniforms. Would you be okay with them going full gold? No, it's no, gold. no. That's I don't. Room. No, I don't want that. It depends on. How I want to go. I, no. I, I, how loud is the gold? Because I mean, I could see. Well, gold. Sweet. I thought they were. Remember the Chiefs Rams game? Uh, and no, they went all yellow. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yellow. Yeah, if they went all yellow like that, would no primary color. You don't want no. That. I want I want the the 70s and 80s Rams jerseys. The throwbacks that they wore, the one they wore in the Super Bowl, yeah, the blue, right, the blue, yeah. and then the other ones with the white ones, where they had like the yellow sleeves and the, I think it was like a blue horn mm-hmm. or blue. Yes, that's what I want. I want that. We get. We, I can talk about this all day. Anybody who's uh, trying to listen about fantasy football probably has already long shut the podcast off. But whatever. <laughs> I, tell Dave I'm going to text him. 
I want in here. I, I want to talk about this. Yeah, when they release them, we'll, we'll do. We, a show. we will have a whole lot of fun with that. And the Buccaneers, they're not going to do it. They're not going. They're probably not going cream signals. But boy, wouldn't that be just as Dave Damashek says, glorious. It would be tremendous. Anyways, uh, we hope that uh, you thought this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast was glorious. Next week is March, right? So Marcus will be back. Is that right? Allegedly. So, Mar- I don't know. Mar- we- Marcus has been like, yeah, screw you guys, man. You guys just keep going. Allegedly. Uh, so, so Marcus should be back next week. Yes. Uh, so we'll, we'll be looking forward to that. Hopefully he's over the fact that the Niners got beat in the Super Bowl. We'll see. I mean, he's tough. I mean, the Warriors are awful too. So, but I mean, he's a Dodgers fan, so he's you know he's got Mookie bets now. He's good to go. Uh, and David Price. So we will see you next week. The whole band will be back together, I assume, and uh, we will talk about what we've seen from the combine, the results, all the drills. Who was great? Who was terrible? Uh, are Joe Burrow's hands too small? Although, who gives a rat's butt about that he's fine he had 60 touchdowns with small hands and a 76 percent completion percentage i think he'll be fine so uh make sure you tune in next week as we go through the combine stuff and i'm sure we will also get a little more free agency in that because after the combine is over the frenzy will begin see you then You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments 
moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.